yet, but... Mm. All right. We'll get there. We'll get there. I'm modern. I have my phone now. All right. That's good. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, everyone. I'm Dan. I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. Grandpa. And welcome to the 2003... Are we on 2003 already? Believe it or not. No, wow. this, this... Yep, 2003. Oh, I, 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 I saw a 2001 when I was skimming the web wikipedia page and i thought i was reading it wrong no that's something different anyways hi hi this is if i ran the oscars our podcast where we look at one movie from every year the oscars were on tv we look at what a one for and three other categories chosen at random everything's random yep except pizza we are in the middle of the uh lord of the rings uh sort of era of academy awards but not Th- this, week. this is the year of the technically least successful Lord of the Rings, which you did not watch. The Two Towers, the second one, got two Academy Awards. Oh, the first one got four, and the last one, I think, got 11. So, you know. <laughs> There's still hope for us. We'll come to that one. And we also did not get Chicago, the best picture from this year, which would have been an interesting watch. I don't know. I think this is a better picture, but yeah. I'm biased. We did watch Road to Perdition. Uh, the Academy, uh, Academy Award facts, uh, the youngest person to win Best Actor was this year, at the time, Adrian Brody. For The Pianist, he was 29. Mm. Huh. Meryl Streep became the most nominated actor with 13. Wow. And, uh, Jack Nicholson extended his lead on most nominated male actor with 12. Wow. So, that's kind of interesting. Uh, the fact from kind of my generation, as it were, is the fact that the movie about Eminem got oh. one award for best song, which was the first rap to get best song. And also this year, he had the top selling album and he got an Academy mm. Award winning movie and all that stuff like this. This was a good year for him. Now, necess- his movie was not necessarily going to be groundbreaking. Yeah. But. But, you know. I, it's I think okay. if, if we had rolled that one, it would have. I it, Well, it, first of all, I would have needed a lot more adult beverages because. I'm not sure that you would have needed as many as you think. I don't know. Rap is just not my favorite genre. Yeah. In any case. So I need a lot just to get me. Yeah. Mm, willing to participate. In any case, Road to Perdition. Which I did not realize was based on a graphic novel. I had read that somewhere. Maybe it was on the box of the... And in fact, the... if I'm going to just double check something really quick... Oh no, Chicago is not based on a graphic novel. It's based on a musical. Mm-hmm. I forgot. In any case. But that's one of those jukebox musicals, right? That one? I think that one's a regular musical. Oh, okay. Uh, My bad. But yeah, Road to Perdition was published in 1998. Uh, published with DC Comics imprint but it's not their main thing it's kind of a side thing because mm-hmm. uh, this is more like a you know a three-eighths inch book as opposed to a comic stapled comic book well this would no this would still have been released as a stapled comic book but would it have been a serial yeah this was a serial oh huh but so it wasn't a novel then no they okay. call them grab they they will call them graphic novels at least i'm pretty sure it's i didn't look at a picture i'm sorry but in any case, this was a very rare instance of Tom Hanks being a bad guy, where we have recently seen Tom Hanks being a very good guy. Mm-hmm. There's also not a lot of actors in this one that we haven't talked about before compared to other movies. Right. Starting to get into a lot of overlap. 
But first we can talk about Tyler Hecklin. The young man? Yep. He's he was, not young anymore. He's not anymore. He was 14 at the time of filming. Mm-hmm. And then so he's about your age. In 2003, he would go on to receive notoriety on 7th Heaven. Huh. Where he put, was for or four years. He was then in the TV show Teen Wolf, which I haven't seen much of. Yeah. But then he was Superman in the Supergirl TV show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, you know, is an okay career move. Yeah. He managed to be in the uh, Marvel Universe. Was, it, was he in the Marvel right? Universe? Right? No, 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 the Marvel that, Universe? No, that's DC, Dad. That's the DC Universe. No, that's the you other guys. you got to be easy with Come us. Come on. We do not understand oh, yeah, you're the right. universes. You're right. Sorry. He's uh, some comic he's, character he, no, guy. No, that, in a that's from, that, that's from a video game. Sephiroth is the main bad guy from a video game that a lot of people say is the best one ever in a particular style. Uh, Sephiroth. Sephiroth, which is named after uh, the Sephiroth from uh, uh, Judaism. Actually, no, really. Huh. Hmm. That there's some real symbolism in that video game. It's actually kind of good. People call it a really good one for a reason, but he is the voice of the main bad guy when they redid it last year. Oh, dear. I did not know that. Interesting. Uh, next on our list of people who... Oh, he, he was, in fact, a bad guy in this film. They did a good job. They put uh, they had makeup, so he had a paler face, and they gave him very yellow teeth and longer fingernails. He looked like a bad guy. Granted, he's not always been a bad guy. Uh, I would most recently recognize him from playing Dr. Watson in the Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. But he was also in the new Harry Potter movie, Fantastic Beasts, which is a prequel to Harry Potter. Mom is shaking her head. Where he plays the young version of the old principal wizard, Dumbledore. He's young Dumbledore. I just shake okay. my head. Don't worry, we'll be talking about Dumbledore later. Oh dear. <laughs> Not with Daniel Craig, though. Uh, he, he's in this film. He is. Uh, he was in, you know, f- five James Bond movies. You know, no big deal. Some say he was the best James Bond. Eh. Some say. Some say. Some people apparently never watched Sean Connery, but that's another story. Yeah. The movies are a lot different than they, they are were when I was. Uh, my fun fact about Daniel Craig is that he's in Star Wars and no one knows it. Well, people know it obviously because I know it, but he's a stormtrooper. Yeah, he get he got to be one of the guys who wears full body armor and a full helmet, so you can't tell it's him. But he's in Star Wars Episode Seven because he's a nerd. And he's the guy that the main character uses the force powers to be like, you will let me out of my chains. And he's like, I will let you out of your chains. And then that's it. That's all he does. Because they knew he could deliver that line. I mean, it's not that hard of a line. It's in Star Wars. <laughs> he can deliver that line. He got, he, he got to jump out of a, heli- out of a helicopter with the queen. He that, can do whatever he wants. Yeah, but that was for the Olympics. That was for the Olympics. And that was probably a very cool thing. And he probably has a violet razor. Laser. Oh, yeah. True. And uh, the last one that I was looking up was Kieran Hines. Is that how you, is that the correct one? I thought it was... H-A-Fancy-I-N-D-Z. I believe it is Hines. Okay. But it's not spelled that way. It is spelled H-I-N-D-S, so yeah. Oh, I thought it was C-I-N-D-S. Nope. 
I'm so mistaken. Mom is mistaken about this guy who has a very tall oh, face. I thought it was a girl. No, no. This, this is the guy at the beginning of the movie who... Don't spoil it. Oh, I'm thinking yeah. of somebody else. You're thinking of somebody else. No. He's been in a lot of things, but one of them is Harry Potter. <laughs> the eighth Harry Potter movie, the eighth one out of seven books, by the way, they made two movies out of the last book, but in the eighth one, they recast some of the minor characters. And so he was in one Harry Potter as the brother of Dumbledore. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another Dumbledore. I told you I was going to come back to Dumbledore, but he's no. also in the D- he's also in the DC. No way. He's the bad guy in the Justice League movie. <laughs> as in he's the voice of a guy who is so computer generated it isn't even funny. But he's also in Frozen. God. Let me just quick double check which character he is in Frozen. I mean, there's not too many old guys in there, so can't be too many. Ah, he's the Troll King. <laughs> the Troll King. Grand Pabby. Dear. I don't have a whole lot more for actors in this one. It's This one's going to be definitely talking more about the people that made it. Mm-hmm. Because we also don't... This is another good one. We're not going to talk too much about the plot. Right. I can say without too what, much... What are we supposed to talk about? Well, we're for sure talking about cinematography. I was going to say before that that if you liked John Wick but you didn't necessarily like all of the fighting and you wanted a better story. Because let's face it, John Wick does not have the best story. It doesn't. It's yeah. not great. Somebody killed his dog. Yeah. But if you wanted that sort of a style of story but with an actual plot to it, mm-hmm. this is what you want to watch. Someone who does bad things but is a good person about it, mm-hmm. realizing that they have to do bad things. Anyways, yeah. Let's hmm. talk about the cinematography in this movie. Where do we start? Oh, we could start, like, well, I mean, the beginning's not, the very beginning isn't super good. Yeah, but they do bookend it. They do bookend it, which mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. But right. the first time that you see Tom Hanks' character, it's from a distance, and it's not 100% in focus. Because we're not sure what to think yet. Because we don't know what he does yet. Mm-hmm. There's multiple times, th- there's one in very particular where they... Uh, make use of focal length for storytelling. And that's mm-hmm. a scene where we're, watch- we're watching Paul Newman, who's also in this movie, by and the Tom way. Hanks. We don't have to talk about him, but he's in it. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hanks are walking away. And we... The but there's cam- a person in the foreground. There's a person in the foreground. And the camera doesn't follow them physically. The camera stays pointed at him, but it focuses behind him. So it focuses on the two walking away. Way. And the guy in the foreground is, is out of focus. Yeah. And then as they get far enough away, then the focus shifts forward to him, which takes practice with your camera to know where you need to <laughs> get it to. They probably just put a little mark on it so they crank it to the right spot. Uh, they also did, at one point, something that's fairly difficult to do properly, but of course this guy won awards for it. He's good at it. Uh, there's a scene where... Someone is walking underneath bridge trestles, and it's got, like, the posts on the side. Mm-hmm. And it's zooming in and staying in focus at the same time. Which, it gives a sort of a parallax effect, mm-hmm. because the aperture is changing, so the shot starts to look wider. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's the kind of thing that you see sometimes in, like, horror movies, when so- when someone is, like, 
oh, what's going on? And the camera pulls way back, but it's really yeah. just zooming out and changing the width. And that's something that's hard to do because you have to simultaneously change the zoom and the focus without... And there's no setting for that, really. I mean, maybe there is on modern cameras, but there definitely wasn't back then. Mm -hmm. And I've heard from some filmmaking guys that had to you do it by hand. And you just get really good at it. And as long as you're pretty close, it'll turn out. Because you got some give to it. And it was... And that zoom was slow, too. Yeah. It was noticeable, but it was... It was this sort of slow movement that brought you in closer to the character. Yeah. But there were other times when they did this, did similar things where the, you know, people on the street would be walking really fast, but then the scene would cut to characters that we knew about and the movement was slower. Yeah. The pace was slower. And it was uh, just interesting to, to watch the, the, where they put the camera what were they looking through? What were they looking around? What were they looking past to give us perspective and to also give us timing? Mm -hmm. There's uh, a lot of good visual storytelling in this movie, especially at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, on the Wikipedia page, it said at one point in the final script, this a, the what actually ended up happening was a little more, but at one point, the last 20 minutes of the movie had six lines of dialogue. Mm -hmm. And this one was a little more because there was a lot of talking at the very end. Right. But you think about the scene where Paul Newman has a thing happen to him and there's one line. Right. The interesting thing that I, I really appreciated was there was gunfire, mm -hmm. but not audio gunfire. gunfire Until the very end. And, and that was that was in several times mm -hmm. that occurred. And... And I appreciated the fact that there was a contrast, a really strong contrast with the music that was playing and gunfire going on. So that it was this violent circumstance, but kind of quiet, gentle music going on Well, because on the, the that's time. part of the, I think, the thematic material for this film is that it's uh, uh, opposites or there are things that are in conflict. This man is leading a conflicted life and... And I think that what we see and what we hear are in conflict sometimes. Yeah. So visually, the uh, director and the cinematographer, who is Conrad Hall, at the ending was uh, in memory of because he died in 2003 and received his Academy Award posthumously. Hmm. They were looking for, uh, the quote here is, nonverbal simplicity and has a couple of examples. One of them is Once Upon a Time in America which is Robert De Niro, epic crime film. And uh, another one is Akira Kurosawa, who I feel like we may... we, we talked about him. We should have talked about him back when we did Star Wars, I believe. But he did a lot of work that did not have dialogue, like the entire movie. Not because it wasn't an option at the time. He was making movies in the 50s, 60s, sure. up to the 80s. But because... You don't always have to say something when you're working in a visual medium. Uh, posthumously, Kurosawa was named Asian of the Century in the arts, literature, and culture <laughs> category by Asian Week magazine. Well, wow. He was among the five people most prominently contributed to the improvement of Asia in the 20th century. That's a big statement. Yeah. 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 And unfortunately, working in something where the Academy Award is basically never going to give him anything, so he's never going to actually come up for us to watch. But... Ooh, 
Elegiac. There's a word. Mm-hmm. Poetic, elegiac story in which the pictures tell the story. Mm-hmm. You needed a good cinematographer for this one. Right, right. Uh, what else can we really talk about without giving anything away of just simple, okay. good... Every scene looks like somebody thought about it instead of just, hey, we got to do scene 53, you know, mm-hmm. guy walks out of a motel, mm-hmm. put on the camera, film it, let's go. It's the interesting thing. Um, some of the scenes at the end I was I thought were really noteworthy. Um, very well composed. And it just just looking at the composition of it, mm-hmm. uh, it, was, it was very artistically done. Uh, several several circumstances right at the end, and the way they used rain mm-hmm. was really cool. Several times, this was definitely not rain as a metaphor for crying necessarily. I think oh, no. I think in this one, rain was a metaphor for murder. Well, definitely, definitely gave you a visual yeah. ambiance yeah. for the whole, whole thing. It's like the the scene where <clears throat> Paul Newman was standing there, and the rain's coming down and pouring off his hat. But his face was perfectly dry. That's what those very, hats are good for. And very, very... Uh, framing. Framing, mm-hmm. yeah. Like like the rain was framing his face. Yeah. That was really interesting. So, uh, Paul Newman was the only person in this movie, basically, that had an Irish-American accent mm. in the what is presumably the Irish mob. Yes. Uh, he workshopped that accent by getting an audio recording of a guy by the name of Frank McCourt, who oh, yeah. I definitely Alfred. don't know. Do you know what he wrote? Uh, Angela's Ashes, I believe. He is correct. It was a Pulitzer Prize winning book yeah. about the misery and squalor of his childhood. And so Paul Newman asked him to record a tape of him speaking and use that to model his accent. He had a brother that was even better. <laughs> I can't remember his first name. Uh, Michael. Malachi, Michael, or Alfie? I don't know. All right. <laughs> well, it was one of them. One of them. Any case, uh, oh yeah, we missed out on someone playing Al Capone because they got that scene cut. Alfred Molina was going to do it, but he had scheduling conflicts with Frida, which also got an award this year. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Daniel Tucci was... I think he was a very smooth bad guy. Oh, Stanley Tucci does bad guy real good. Did I forget? We, we've talked about him before. We have talked about him before. So we didn't need to talk about him this time. But he was a very smooth bad guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... But cinematography-wise, let's go and do some rundowns of uh, Conrad Hall's work. Uh, let's see here. The cinematographer? Cinematographer, because we should really talk about him. His first Academy Award nomination was in 1965 mm. for Moratori. Then he shot one, two, three to get his first color film. Uh, he got another nomination in 1967. Then he shot Cool Hand Luke. Which was a big deal. And then he got his first Oscar in 1969 for Butch Sundance, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I saw that in a real theater. Yeah. Uh, experimental techniques such as overexposing the negatives in order to mute the primary colors when printing it back. I, yep. uh, you know, stuff, stuff, Marathon Man, took an 11-year break, came back, did Black Widow, Tequila Sunrise, Searching for Bobby Fischer, Love Affair, uh, and then he got another award for American Beauty in oh. 1999. So, you know, 30 years later. Yeah. And that was his first time working with Sam Mendes, and then this was his second time, got another mm. award. Wow. 
three uh, three Oscars over a fifty year career. That's mm. pretty decent. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Sam Mendes, of course, uh, had previously done uh, American Beauty, but also Cabaret. Mm. So we've t- seen him before, and he did uh, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Was it? Uh, yeah, the twenty thirteen one, or is that the music? Oh, he did the musical. Oh, he directed the stage musical of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. Wow. Okay. But, yeah, no, and also two James Bond movies. So, what are our other categories? So, our other categories this time, because we do have to talk about other stuff. We, unfortunately, rolled Best Animated Feature Film again. Which it wasn't. Which it wasn't, obviously. No animation here, but this does mean that I get to have a mild nerd out about Spirited Away really quickly. (laughs) Which we got from the library, and I'm going to probably make Mom sit down and watch tomorrow. Yep. Good happen. Uh, this was a movie made by Hayao Miyazaki, another guy who's on that list of people from Asia that you should know because of how influential they were to an artistic mm-hmm. medium. Uh, Spirited Away is the only non-English movie to win Best Animated Feature. It is the only hand-drawn animated movie to win Best Animated Feature. It is... It was, for 20 years, the most successful Japanese film in Japan. Obviously, outside of Japan, mm-hmm. it was not as successful because, you know, we have Avatar. Because we have America. But uh, it was only recently beat by another animated movie in 2020, which, fun fact, the sales from that series in Japan are greater than the American comic book industry that year. Mm. Wow. Well. That's how popular something had to be to be better than this movie. Wow. Uh, it's kind of incredible in... I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm going to ha- not have too many details on it. But when I watched it, I remembered it being so easy to understand, despite how foreign it was. Because it's made for Japan. But I didn't feel like there were points where I had to stop and go... Wait, hold on. What's going on here? Oh, wait, no. They're a spirit person. So the spirits mean different things in that culture. Oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. It does have to deal with spirits. It's called Spirited Away. We're not subtle. But there's plenty of Japanese animation where I feel like the the appreciation hinges on having a cliff notes to Japanese culture. Sure. And that's the downside of foreign films is they're made for another culture. But this one succeeds very well because it doesn't need as much of that. And it, it's just a good story. Anyways, well, obviously... Back to this podcast. Anyways, back to this <laughs> podcast and talking... Uh, when I bring up uh, word categories, I usually talk about what else is there. Let's see. Are there any Disney movies? There are. It's Lilo and Stitch and Treasure Planet. Uh, are there any non-Disney movies? You bet. It's Ice Age. Oh. And then Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, which is DreamWorks. Because, yeah, it looks like it was made by the same guys that did Prince of Egypt. Stallion of the Cimarron. That's what it says. It's a it's a movie about horses. I was going to say, what color <laughs> is he? Uh, he's a paint, I believe. Uh, but in any case, we don't have to talk about the rest of those. Adapted <laughs> screenplay, which this one would have been on the list for. Uh, let's see where screenplay on here. I gotta go back Adapted up. Adapted screenplay? Adapted screenplay. But it was not nominated? Uh, ooh, it was not. Huh. Uh, Is that because there's not so much words? 
it could be because there wasn't so much words, or like the screenplay was fine but not outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, the pianist won, mm-hmm. and as I understand it, that is a very good one. Also on here, uh, Chicago adaptation, which I've heard things about. Oh, that's got Nicolas Cage and Meryl Streep in it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I think it could have in a maybe a less interesting year. Sure. Well, this one is like number there. six or seven. And our last one is Best Director. How do we feel this one was as far as the entire movie experience being held together? Well, I enjoyed it. I did too. I liked the story. I liked the way it was put together. And it wasn't even nominated. What? And I don't know why. I don't get it. It wasn't nominated for Best Picture either. I try to learn these things and I feel like I don't get it sometimes. There's a couple of movies on here that... Well, one of them is Spanish. And so I definitely don't know that guy. The Hours, psychological drama with Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman. That one was also nominated for Best Director. Huh. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't weird enough. Like, like you can go down here, like, Roman Polanski, The Pianist, Martin Scorsese, Gangs of New York, yeah. which we watched for the other podcast, yeah. Rob Marshall for Chicago. Yeah, I'll give you all of those, but yeah. I'd have Maybe to watch... Maybe it just wasn't them. weird enough. Maybe it wasn't weird enough. I'd have to watch these last two to know if it was actually Maybe. Better. Wait a minute. Maybe it has more to do with something else we talk about from time to time, and that's the pretentiometer. Yeah. Maybe could... this movie wasn't pretentious enough to make Academy people feel yeah, like... Yeah, if it's not good, it's, if it's not good, it has to at, last, at least be uh, slightly controversial. Or it has to be like more and more pretentious, artsy. Yeah. Like pushing the envelope mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like... Lord of the Rings was nominated for Best Picture, but not Best Director. Because, yeah, it's a good movie, but it's not particularly pretentious. See? 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 Maybe, maybe, maybe there's it. something there. That's possibly reading far that's, too much into this. Well, but... that speaks to the pretentiousness of the craft. And the... Yeah. And, you know, why Marlon Brando complained about it all those years ago and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But... This is if we ran the Oscars, and I'd at least put it on the list. Well, I would totally I mean, put it on w- Without seeing any of those other movies, I'd at least have it nominated. And I've seen some of those. Yeah. I saw Gangs of New York. I think that mm-hmm. that, was, that was a well-directed movie. That one should have been on but the list. But you guys mm-hmm. watched that one without me. Yeah, you wouldn't have liked it. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a movie for Mom. All right. Uh, anything else to talk about? I thought the costumes were lovely. The costumes? I thought lovely. Tom Hanks' sweat was so perfect. Yeah, it was. There was a lot They're of little real. things. The hairstyles were lovely. It, you know, they were maybe maybe things were a little clean, but uh, I don't care. I, I liked like, it. I liked the bicycle. Mm-hmm. Ah, nice yeah. old bike. Yeah. Nice the, old cars. Nice old phone. Oh, cars were. You know, some of that stuff had to have been computer generated. It had to be. No, or they no. got them from Jay Leno. There aren't that many. <laughs> Jay Leno's got all those cars. Yeah. cars. Well, yeah, what they can do are. now is they can recreate the outside of an old car and just put a new car inside of it. Yeah. And well, some of these, some of these, I think probably were. But yeah, you'd have to ask Leno about that. Yeah. So we did take issue with because we are from, let's just say, the northern part of the United States. I took issue with the snow. It was didn't look real to me. It was not great snow. Uh, we took and issue. Well, there was too much rain on some of that snow for there to be any snow left. That's true, and yeah. only people from up north would understand that. Yeah. And then, then it, the about... old cars started too easy. Uh-huh. Yeah. The uh, being bad at learning how to drive stick was accurate. That was pretty, that was good. Yeah. As someone who has suffered through I learned to drive when I was 13. We were off yeah. pheasant hunting. Yeah. My dad wanted to 
My dad wanted to walk a ditch. He didn't want to. He didn't want to leave the car there and have to walk up and walk back. And that's where I got my. That's where I got to drive the 1937 Chevy. All right. Right alongside the road, which is a ditch at about this angle, and my brother was hanging on the other side uh-huh. for dear life. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about that? My first driving was a 1947 Chevy. Huh. You guys are more than 10 years apart. How about that? Yeah. Oh. So what was your first driving, Dan? Uh, I think it was the. I think it was backing up the trailer attached to the woody wagon. You backed up the trailer. You made me. You made me learn to back up the trailer before you let me get my license. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't your first driving. No, I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember my first driving. That was the first driving I remember. Oh, okay. The first driving is not that part. It, it was you made. It was one of you making me stop and start in the abandoned Century College parking lot. That's true. We would go Probably, on Sundays yeah. to the community college where there was no cars. Yeah, yeah but true. the first one I remember was you made me learn to back up the trailer before you let me get my license. And then, <laughs> and then a month after I got my license, I, re- I ran into someone. <laughs> that was a sad day. Yeah, it wasn't great. Oops. All right. No Academy Awards facts? I don't have anything. All right. Wow. We want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye. 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 Good night.